Support for this podcast comes from ODC Dance. The world-class company returns for Dance Downtown, March 27th through the 31st, with two electrifying programs and five works, springing from cartoon, the news, and human connection. ODC.dance slash downtown. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. On this Indigenous Peoples Day, we bring you the story of a piece of land in what we now call Oakland, nestled high in Joaquin Miller Park. Like the rest of the Bay, it was home to people who lived here for generation after generation until colonial forces displaced them. The California history is complicated and distinct from the East or the Plains or Mesoamerica, but in recent years, a movement has emerged across many Indigenous communities. Land back. That is to say, land should return to the people who lived on these shorelines and knew its mountains. And soon, that Oakland parkland will pass into the control of the Segorite Land Trust. Five acres out of the countless acres taken, but a start towards reparation in the Bay Area. That's all coming up next, after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. The Ohlone people who made their lives here in the Bay Area built distinct communities all around the shore, often where freshwater met saltwater, stream, and bay. Colonization scrambled those ancestral structures as many Ohlone peoples were forced into slavery in the mission system. And within the American context, genocidal attacks killed many Native people, denied the Ohlone federal recognition, and also brought Native Americans from other parts of the country here in the 20th century. Indigenous leaders in the Bay have continued to organize, including our first guest today, Karina Gould, co-director of the Segorite Land Trust and tribal chair of the East Bay Ohlone Tribe Confederated Villages of Lishan Nation. She was born and raised in what the Ohlone called Huichin, and now that now goes by the name Oakland. Welcome, Karina. Thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Thank you so much for having us here today. Honored to have you. We're also joined by Oakland Mayor Libby Schaff. Welcome, Mayor Schaff. Good morning. Yeah. So we want to talk about how this partnership uh, came together. When did you two first meet, Karina? Oh, I think that we met in about 2017, 2018, Mm -hmm. uh, to begin talking about this wonderful collaboration. Yeah. And did you know where you would want to have this first land come back? We actually didn't have an idea. It was actually at the request of uh, Mayor Libby Shaft to come and have a conversation about what we wanted to do and how we could build a relationship. And as the conversation continued, we ended up talking about giving land back or getting land back. And so um, it was really at the invitation of looking at where we might be able to do this. And uh, it will, so this wasn't, it wasn't something planned. We uh, went out and looked at different sites and came to the agreement about this particular place. Mm. Amir Chef, how about your side of this? How did you become involved and, and passionate about this issue? 
Well, you know, if a friend of a friend it said, you know, you really have got to sit down with this incredible tribal leader, uh, the leader of our first people here in Oakland. And they sent me a link to a documentary about Karina uh, and just her incredible courageous battles to get uh, historically significant land back or to save it from development. And it occurred to me that like, this is our original sin here in California, the, the native genocide, the taking of land, the killing of people, and that there must be an opportunity in what I love calling America's most unapologetic sanctuary city, which is Oakland, to do something to heal this horrific injustice that had been done and to do it with a sense of humility that the history required. Mm -hmm. And so it was very important to me to say to Karina, you choose, you look at all the land in Oakland that is owned by the city and you tell me what would be significant to your people. Karina, talk to me about Sequoia Point then, this particular place in the East Bay. Sequoia Point is this beautiful place that many people, if you've gone, if you grew up here in Oakland, probably went up there. It's an overlook that you can see the entire bay. It sits above our ochre that for many generations, thousands of years, our people had gathered. And um, and it's a it's a place where people reflect, I think. No matter who you are in the Bay, if you end up at this spot now called Sequoia Point up in Joaquin Miller Park, that it gives you a sense of awe, a way of you to be able to see the Bay and imagine, begin to imagine what it would have looked like that for thousands of years prior to anyone building here. Mayor Schaff, you know, there's the idea of land back. And then there's how do you actually fit these ideas and this kind of justice into the governmental structures that we have. So what did you all come up with? Oh, Alexis, you would not believe how hard it is to give somebody their own stolen land back. Um, you know, and, and obviously for good reason, uh, there are many prohibitions against the government giving away public land. Uh, but you know, our environmental review laws, our surplus land laws, um, the machinations of actually giving or even selling for a dollar this land back uh, would have been a complete nightmare and would have taken more than the, you know, five years that it took us to get to this point. But I've got to tell you, Alexis, Oakland is full of um, bureaucrat, courageous bureaucrats, uh, really entrepreneurial bureaucrats that not only had this as their assignment, but were excited about mm -hmm. just how important this, this act was going to be for our history, for our healing. And they came up with a very creative uh, vehicle called a reserved cultural easement uh, mm -hmm. or conservation easement. Uh, that was a unique uh, legal format that allowed us to bypass a lot of these bureaucratic nightmare blockages um, so that we actually will be able to essentially gift all use, 
full enjoyment of ownership back to our first people, back to the Ohlone. Um, it will come to a vote to the city council on November 1st of this year. I, you're not expecting a ton of opposition, though, are you? Well, you know, that's what I love about Oakland. Um, I know we, you know, we are getting calls now from other cities that want to see how we did this, and they have met opposition. Hmm. Uh, when you have a public park that has many different stakeholders and users, we have horseback riders, uh, mountain bike riders, hikers, uh, the Friends of Sossel Creek, uh, environmentalists. In Oakland, they are all applauding giving this land back to the first people and allowing them to use it to preserve their culture, to conserve the land, and to share this history with our residents. It is just beautiful, only in Oakland. And Karina, the area Sequoia Point won't close to other people, right? But what will it mean for all the other users of the park? No, it is actually going to give us an opportunity to engage uh, people that use the park regularly that maybe haven't heard the history of what had happened on this land to be a part of rejuvenating that land, um, eventually taking out invasive species and um, reimagining us all putting in plants that are uh, that should be in that area. You know, the beautiful area that we call the Oakland Hills right now where Joaquin Miller sits at beautiful redwood trees for many generations there that had human hands as a part of taking care of it. And it is going to give us the opportunity to do that again in a traditional ecological knowledge is being used. And we're hoping that this would be a place, uh, this five acres of land to begin to do that restoration and to move that farther into Joaquin Miller Park to get people excited about how we can together take care of this land that we all now call home. Mm. Karina, you also, and the Scorte Land Trust, uses this term to talk about what's going on. You call it rematriation. Can you tell me a little bit more about why that specific term? Yeah, rematriation is really what we believe is an indigenous uh, women's work. It's to bring us back into alignment or to bring us back into balance. It's to give people, it's to give indigenous people uh, the rights to be back on their own lands without outside interference to bring back culture and language, but it also allows us to work with the people that are here in our own territories. Rematriation is about bringing balance to the world again as indigenous women's work, not to leave men out, but to realize that through colonization that our sacred responsibilities have been taken away and to come back to those sacred ways of living, to take care of the lands and the waters that we're from and to uh, recognize that we, are, we have a responsibility as we are here on this earth. And I think that it's really important right now as we begin to look together as a human species at climate disaster and what we're looking at, that indigenous people have these uh, traditional ecological knowledges that allow us to look backwards in order to go forwards, especially when we're looking at in the state of California, all of these fires that are happening and all of the things that are happening with drought. How do we come together to think about uh, a different world, a world that we want to leave our grandchildren's grandchildren? Yeah. Mayor Chef, you know, why is it important for the city of Oakland to do this now? And how do you see it setting a precedent for other California cities? Well, many people have started doing land acknowledgments, but those are just words. 
the act of actually inviting again with humility um, your first people to come and look at the land and choose a piece of, of their decision. <laughs> and, and then to create this structure, which we created in partnership um, with Karina Gould, um, with the reservations that she wanted the city to maintain, with the values and the activities that she wanted to uh, enumerate. Um, and, and just to clarify, there will be times when this will be closed to the public if um, this Ohlone uh, Confederated Villages wishes to do their own ceremonies that should be private. So they do have that right. I mean, this vehicle essentially gives all the rights of ownership uh, only with things reserved that that Karina chose for the city to maintain. But this is who Oakland is. We are a city that values diversity and does not turn a blind eye or in any way denies some of the horrific acts that our government perpetuated on people. And that extends to things like redlining and exclusionary zoning. There's a lot of healing to do, but let us start with this beautiful act. Yeah. On this Indigenous Peoples Day, we're talking about an agreement that has made Oakland the first major city in California to directly return municipal land to Native Americans. In this first segment, we've been joined by Oakland Mayor Libby Schaff. Thank you so much, Mayor Schaff, for uh, joining us this morning. Thank you, Alexis. For the rest of the show, we're going to be talking with Karina Gould, who's the director of the Segorate Land Trust and tribal chair of the Confederated Villages of Lishan. Do you, we want to know from you, do you know whose land you're standing on? And if you're part of a Native community, what does this land back movement mean to you? You can give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're KQED Forum. And the email, of course, is forum at kqed.org. I'm Alexis Madrigal. This is Forum. Stay tuned for more after the break. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about an agreement that will make Oakland the first major city in California to directly return uh, five acres of municipal land to the Ohlone people, the first inhabitants of this area. We're joined this morning by Karina Gould, director of the Segorate Land Trust and tribal chair of the Confederated Villages of Lishan. You know, Karina, I wanted to get into some of the history of the Segorate Land Trust, and in particular, you know, 
you occupied an ancestral site in the Carquinez Strait. Um, and I've heard you say that your time out there really changed your life. What, can you tell us a little bit about both that conflict and sort of what it did to you or for you? Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, we, uh, a group of us went up to uh, Segorite, which is the name of the village site on the Carquinez Strait, which is now called Glen Cove Park in Vallejo, California. Our good friend, Wounded Nideo Campo, who's an elder Miwok man, lived there, grew up there his whole life and knew about these two shell mounds that were on that site and had for about a dozen years before the takeover had been working uh, tirelessly to bring education and awareness about this site and to stop the Greater Vallejo Recreation District from destroying the uh, that site and creating a park-like place. It's always been a place that's been open to the public. The fishermen go there, dog walkers, uh, people enjoy it, the little beach along the uh, coast there. Um, but there's, uh, the city wanted to do something different, and we were against them putting in bathrooms and overhead lighting and, uh, and create and destroying the sacred sites that, were, uh, that we knew continue to be there. Um, and so we joined together. Um, Segorite Land Trust uh, started out of that place because we took over that site for 109 days, four and a half months with people from uh, many different tribal nations and different walks of life. We lit a sacred fire that was uh, started by Fred Short, who was the um, Native Amer- the Northern California spiritual advisor for the American Indian movement. We did the, uh, as that fire was lit, there were four other fires around the world that were lit for the same amount of time. People brought ceremony from different tribes to that, uh, to that fire. And people gathered and created a village-like place that took care of one another. Um, that must have been like a village that our ancestors had there for thousands of years. Mm. Fishermen continued to fish there, and there was giant sturgeon that were brought up from those waters that were shared with our camp. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and so being in prayer and ceremony with people and um, and acknowledging that those ancestors were there and really trying to preserve and protect those sacred sites on that sacred land changed not just me, but everyone that participated there. There was eight of us that were the core group of organizers, but hundreds of people came there Mm. and offered food and water and a different way of believing in how the world could be again. How do we take care of one another? How do we see each other as human beings? And I think that that's what really changed me. We had been doing organizing work uh, for uh, decades already in the Bay Area to preserve and protect sacred sites, our shell mounts along the Bay. The Bay Street Mall, for instance, was the largest of all shell mounts. And I did this work alongside of Janella LaRose, who was Shoshone Bannock and Ute, and her and I raised our children together in mm-hmm. Oakland. And she came here during the, uh, during the 1970s and made this her home. And so we have been working. She's also the co-founder and co-director of the Segorite Land Trust. I think it changed us because we realized that um, after the end of the 109 days, there was a cultural easement that was created. The first to be created in the country between a city, a park district, and two federally recognized tribes. It allowed those two federally recognized tribes to have the same rights as the city and the park district. You see, in 2011, the city of Vallejo filed bankruptcy 
And when they did that, they gave the park district uh, many thousands of dollars worth of permits for free in order to destroy that sacred site. That's what turned us into, uh, uh, catapulted us into taking over that site. You know, for those people out there who have heard about shell mounds, like they, they know that they were native sites around the bay. It feels like there's a lot of misunderstandings about what those shell mounds were or, or could be in different contexts. Could you tell people a little bit more about this? Because this really, the shell mound peace walks that you've done over the years, they, you've sp- invested a lot of time into really learning and communicating this knowledge. Yeah, you know, I think it was because of the work that we did around shell mounds that people actually understand or have heard the word now of shell mounds, right? In 1909, Nels Nelson created a map. He worked for the archaeology department at UC Berkeley and over 100 years ago knew that these mounds, these ancestral places, these burial sites, the cemeteries of my ancestors were going to be destroyed because of development along the waterways. And um, and he created a map that listed 425 of those shell mounts. Mm. And so there was great populations of Native people that lived all along the waterways in the Bay Area. Most of them are now underneath railroad tracks or parking lots like the one in West Berkeley on Fourth University, um, underneath schools and bars and uh, city streets. And so... It really is these places, these monuments of my ancestors, these sites that are older than the pyramids of Egypt, that um, has thousands of years of my ancestors being laid down to rest, covered in soil and stone and shell. And over thousands of years of doing that, these mounds became larger and larger, like the Emeryville one that was over three stories high. It's um, these monuments that... uh, people that first came here didn't pay attention to, but decided to use as uh, pavement for their streets. Uh, the streets of Oakland and Berkeley um, and Alameda, are, the shell mounds were used to pave those streets, um, used the material was used to fertilize people's yards. Um, and it's unfortunate. Um, it was archeology span in Berkeley that started the really the destruction of our sites here. And, um, but they still exist. We know that because of the weight of thousands of years of these shell mounds, that whatever was on, taken off of top, there still remains underneath the ground, many thousands of our ancestral remains and funerary items. Mm. You know, uh, listener Pam has just a, a clarifying question that I think is, is a good one. Uh, Pam writes, could your guest please explain the relation of the Ohlone and the confederated villages of Lishan? Yeah, thank you so much. The Confederated Villages of Lashan Nation is actually a true confederation of um, people that were brought into slavery at both Mission Dolores in San Francisco and Mission San Jose in Fremont. So the confederation is actually uh, our our ancestors come from village sites in Ohlone, Bay Miwok, Plains Miwok, Delta Yokut and uh, Wapo territories. And so our ancestors come from five different counties and we were taken, we can actually trace our, our ancestors back to the village sites that they were taken from and enslaved at those two missions. And so it encompasses Alameda, Contra Costa, San Joaquin, parts of Solano and parts of Napa counties. And I know this is an extremely complicated topic, so I just wanted to sort of touch on it. But 
the Ohlone are not federally recognized. Um, why, why is that, and what does it mean for your people? Federal recognition is a difficult topic in there, and it's it's almost diff- it's really difficult to explain to people because we're not taught this in schools. So people think of, of tribes as these huge tribes um, in the in the plains areas or in the um, in New York. You might think of the uh, Mohawk people or the Seneca people or the Hopi or Lakota people. In California, there were hundreds of different tribes. Ohlone people actually are broken up into at least eight different language areas. And within each of those language areas, there were multiple tribes. And um, there so almost no uh, tribal people from the along the coast from San Diego all the way up to Solano are recognized by the federal government. Hmm. Ohlone people is a generic term. We were first called Costanos from the Spanish. Um, they kind of all put us all together because we lived along the coast. We ate well, people may have heard food. Costanoan, you know, right? Costanoan, yes, exactly, Costanoan. Um, and then uh, people took the name Ohlone um, during the 1950s and 60s as a way of sovereignty of calling themselves, giving themselves their own uh, designation. But really, it's a um, as we move forward um, and try to regain our knowledge and talk about our own histories. Uh, we took the word Ohlone, and that is a Chochenyo word. And as my great-grandfather, Jose Guzman, was one of the last speakers of the Chochenyo language, that's how he introduces us as Lashan. And so we took on our Lashan uh, name again, uh, the true name of who we are as a people in the East Bay. And we took on the Confederation because now we are have intermarried through the mission Spanish mission period um, into all of these different tribal people that were brought there as slaves. Yeah, that was an incredible summary of that history. Thank you so much for that. Um, we have a, a caller, uh, Greg in Oakland. Welcome, Greg. Hey, how are you folks doing? Can you hear me all right? Yeah, sure can. Thanks for calling. Great. Hey, listen, I am a native of Berkeley and raised in Oakland, and I am really super stoked um, that all of our panelists today are women. And I think it's really, really super important that we look uh, deeply at um, our the fact that we've lost our influence from the feminine when we lost our Native American tribes. Um, <clears throat> not that they were better or worse, but we've just We've killed half our population um, because of these modern beliefs, and I really can't wait for our indigenous people to come back and bring back the importance of maternity. I love the rematriation uh, term. It's a great term, and I just really would love to hear our panelists speak to what the feminine can do and how we can nurture men so they're not afraid to reenter a feminine environment. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, thanks for that, Greg. And you know, Karina, I know that when you were first starting to build the Segorte Land Trust, you would look at who was doing land trusts, and it was just all men. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The um, I went to an indigenous um, land trust meeting and just looked around there, and they were all men. And I talked to a good friend of mine that I met there at that meeting. And he was, uh, I asked him if it was a boys club and he laughed and said, kind of, and not just native land trusts, but all land trusts were run by men. As I brought this information back to Janella 
uh, her and I began to have a conversation about what does this mean for men to hold land um, in trust and then to look around the world and what have men done as they have been leaders in these countries around the world and how has that looked for women. And we began to correlate the, um, what happened on our lands as indigenous people here in Turtle Island and how the colonization first took the sacred, um, our sacred places away and then um, took the women and how that correlated with the rape and destruction of our mother earth and the rape and destruction of our women and the places that we held in leadership. And those ideas from European um, backgrounds that women were subservient. And um, I love the idea of bringing back to, uh, to the feminine. And I think that when we look at the United States today, we can see that we are going backwards, that women are losing their rights to their own body um, and that we need our our. Uh, partners, our men partners to stand up against the tyranny of uh, women being told that they cannot have the right to abortions, that we have the, that we are sub, subhuman in some kind of a way, and that we need to really begin to look together about how do we bring this back. You know, when we start, when we look at our language and our language coming back, it really is about this softer way of speaking. As women, we are the caretakers, are the first teachers, the women that bring birth, and the aunties, the grandmas that take care of the children. We're also the ones that have songs for the waters and the medicines in the plants that we're at, um, in the places that we live. And also that, that we are often the ones that caretake those that are leaving this earth um, or that are passing away. And so there's great responsibility um, in those places and great leadership. With our people, we were the ones that decided uh, when there would, when we would um, have ceremony and when we would go and gather foods and uh, where we would move to. And so there was great responsibility that when um, colonizers got here, settlers got here, they didn't want to hear from women and immediately looked to men for those decisions. And it changed who we were as people. Mm. Talk to me a little bit about the building up of the Sigorte Land Trust. Like, how does it actually work? There's sort of a nonprofit, and you can receive donations, which are sometimes called the land tax, called Shumi. Um, but how? What's the actual structure inside? Well, there it's an interesting structure. I worked for many years in nonprofit organizations, and. Um, and I took with me my experience of working in nonprofits and what I hated about nonprofits and decided <laughs> that that wasn't going to be there. Um, and, uh, and Janella had, uh, has a background as a, a car, a union carpenter, uh, organizer. And we both did this work together in indigenous communities. And it really is about building relationships. And so, we have uh, many different indigenous people that work for us. And so it's an indigenous women-led land trust that happens to be in my territory. And so it really is about bringing people back to the land and trying to figure out how do we, um, we instill that responsibility to younger people that are working with us um, to uh, take care of that land and to build those relationships with the land again and to revitalize our creeks and to bring back medicines and to bring back song and language. So it really is about that. And so we have, you know, most 
places where really try to figure out how do we take care of this um, in a nonprofit way? Now, how do we bring in our tribal belief systems and our indigenous belief systems and put them into work in this nonprofit um, silo that tries to, and try not to break that. And so it's it's been interesting. It's been a real, um, a really beautiful thing because uh, we've had lots of people from outside of our organization that have been supporting us in uh, fabulous ways. Um, organizations that come together that do fundraisers for the organization to see the work happen. And I think that in the Bay Area, we talk about abundance a lot. And in the Bay Area, there has been abundance for thousands of years that there are this is a place where there was never hunger or homelessness and um, that this is a new concept on this on this land. And how do we come together um, with this abundance of not just resources, but minds and critical thinking and building movements. And, um, and it's really about doing that, about having the relationships with people outside of who we are to build this world that we want to see for the next seven generations. Mm. On this Indigenous Peoples Day, we're talking about an agreement that will make Oakland the first major city in California to directly return municipal land to Native Americans. It's a spot called Sequoia Point, if you're familiar with Joaquin Miller Park. We're joined by Karina Gould, director of the Segorite Land Trust and tribal chair of the Confederated Villages of Lishan. We'd love to hear from you. You know, Have you ever given Shumi this idea? I think it means gift, actually. And I think it's in Checheno, Karina, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, but it's also sometimes referred to as a, as a land tax. Uh, have you ever given that to the Segorite Land Trust? I'd love to hear from you about that experience. You can give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you know it. It's KQED Forum. And the email is forum at KQED. Org. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more with Karina Gold, director Gould, director of the Segorite Land Trust, right after this break. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. We're talking with Karina Gould, director of the Segorite Land Trust and tribal chair of the Confederated Villages of Lishan, about this new agreement with the city of Oakland, a prospective agreement with the city of Oakland that would make it the first major city in California to directly return municipal land 
to Native Americans. Uh, Karina, I wanted to, before we go back to the phones, I wanted to ask you about the Segurte Lentris other operations, because you actually have other property you've been able to acquire, right? Yeah, we have the first piece of land that we have. And the thing is, is that it's not acquiring as in buying all of the time, right? We think mm-hmm. about, we're thinking outside of the box when we're doing relationship building with people. The first piece of land that was returned to us as a quarter acre of land on 105th Avenue um, in the, on the backside of two acre lot that Planting Justice Organization runs is a, um, a organic nursery that employs formerly incarcerated men and women, pe- people that have recently migrated and um, gives them um, good paying jobs to do that. And we got that pre- first piece of land in 2016 after the um, uh, the uh, Standing Rock or occupation. Mm-hmm. And um, the two people that were there, uh, Hole and Gavin, who run the organization, invited us to a conversation. And we said, yes, we would take the land back, but we needed to build relationships with the people who take care of that land as well. And so we've built a relationship over the last four years or so. Um, and it's an amazing piece of land that is along the freeway and the railroad tracks, but it's also along the LaShawn Creek um, and where our waters would have met the salt waters. And so probably very close to a village site. We also have a, a few homes that were purchased uh, recently in the Fruitvale area that we uh, have families, indigenous families living in, and we're hoping to uh, create in this next year the first uh, Chochenyo uh, Language Institute um, underneath one. We will be doing that work. We are caretaking a piece of land with a long-term lease in East uh, in West Oakland. We've named it Ramai. It's a community garden that we're hoping to open up to communities in that area of West Oakland to grow their own food. It has 13 fruit trees on it. Um, and we recently got uh, two lots in, in Berkeley on Ashby Avenue um, that has been a long-term community garden there and we are working um, to build a relationship with those that have caretaken that land for 20 years um, to continue their community garden and to implement uh, a mecca a place where we all gather um, on that land oh wow when we talk about this you know incredible um new work that you've been able to do. Uh, Brandon in San Francisco wants to know a little bit more about what's next. Wow. Thank you, Brandon, for that question. I think that what's next is whatever we dream of. Um, I think that one of the things that we've been able to do is to build these connections in the Bay Area. We are hoping that we will be able to, um, in the future, look at building uh, up a little bit, a stream of having a ceremonial site at this um, uh, at Sequoia Point, um, which will take a little bit more work to do. You know, there we will have to go through the CEQA and zoning process there. We're hoping that we can build something that is, uh, will speak to that. We are still working to save and preserve um, the West Berkeley Shell Mound and trying to trying to get that out of uh, developers' hands. We are looking to um, continue to do language work and revitalization work around that. And so 
building, uh, redesigning and working with architects to redesign uh, one of our homes so that it can actually be an institute and a language learning space. Um, so those are the things we're looking at. We're hoping to receive some, um, some land um, in El Sobrante uh, that we will caretake. Uh, it's a canyon land that a school, a Montessori school is now taking care of and wants to return. Um, and growing food and uh, learning how to build relationships with other places in the, uh, in the Bay Area. Brandon, did that answer your question? Um, in part, yeah. And, you know, thanks for having me and thanks for um, having, you know, just such a such an important episode on Indigenous Peoples Day. Um, but I, my question was actually a little bit more geared towards Mayor Schaff and, you know, other politicians. Um, and major stakeholders in the Bay Area. You know, Corinna mentioned um, the West Berkeley Shell Mound that's being threatened by development. Um, you know, there are a number of, of course, the city has been involved in that. There are courts that are now kind of trying to weigh in, and I'm, I'm not sure what the latest is on that. But whether it's the Shell Mound or other parcels of city land, you know, which total hundreds or thousands of acres in the Bay Area, I'm just wondering what politicians can be doing more proactively to support efforts like those of the land trust to return more and more land back to indigenous hands. I, uh, you know, I am so happy that uh, the city of Oakland and Mayor Libby Schaff reached out to us to do this incredible work together. We're hoping that the work that we've been able to create over the last four years will actually be a blueprint for other cities to be able to do similar projects with this. The city of Alameda is the first city to pay Shumi and have changed a lang uh, changed the name of a park, uh, working with us from Andrew Jackson Park to Chochenyo Park. The city of Berkeley has changed signage uh, that says, welcome to Berkeley, Ohlone territory, Albany, the city of Albany followed suit with that and also paid Shumi. And I think that when we have uh, folks that are on city council that want to really push an agenda like this, that it's great that I can see pieces of land in all of these different cities that becomes lands that we're able to co-steward together, that the tribe is able to have access to it. Imagine that in these last 250 years, the tribe has been homeless in our own homelands. And so that means that we have not had access to actually growing our own medicines or collecting the foods that our ancestors have for thousands of years without asking for permission from park districts or cities or private um, land owners. This gives us the opportunity to engage in our land in a different kind of a way. And so we're hoping that this, this will be the blueprint that cities can take this and say, yes, we can do this and that um, we can work with the tribes that are in our territories, not just here in the Bay Area, but we hope that this will, uh, will you know, uh, ripple out to other places in the country that uh, tribes can then work with cities to do this kind of work. Yeah. Hey, Brandon, great uh, question there. Let's bring in another caller, uh, Janelle in Oakland. Welcome, Janelle. Thank you so much. This is such an important conversation. I really appreciate uh, your guests and all they have to share. My question was regarding whether or not there's a discernible benefit or deficit of having Deb Holland, the first Native American Secretary of the Interior, to the Ohlone elements getting federal recognition or to land trust growth and acceptance. Is there any connection there? I'll take my answer off the air. Thanks a lot. Great question. Thanks, Janelle. You know, uh, when we've been working, when the West Berkeley Shell Mound was 
designated one of the uh, most uh, the eleven most endangered sacred sites in the um, in the country a few years ago. Deb Holland, before she became Secretary um, of Interior. Uh, did a comment on that, acknowledging that and supporting the work that we were doing to preserve and protect that site. Um, we are not a federally recognized tribe. And like I was saying before, there are multiple tribes within our territory um, that speak the Chochenyo language. And some of them are trying seeking federal recognition and some of them are not. The federal recognition process is a difficult process that takes years and years of work and thousands and thousands of dollars in order to prove your um, prove the, the things that the federal government wants you to prove. Almost no federal no tribes within the mission systems can prove the things that they're asking us to prove because we were running from um, uh, waves of genocide, first by the Spanish and then the Mexican ranchos and currently. And when the state of California was created, there were laws that made it illegal to be Indian. And people don't talk about those laws. And so it was a constant running and it's an impossibility almost to show that your continuity on this land. Uh, families would gather together and do um, particular things and ceremonies sometimes. And but it's very difficult to, to, to do the work that the federal government wants you to do. It really was uh, people at Berkeley um, that wrote that we basically didn't exist anymore, that stopped the government to government relationship. Um, and we were never not, um, we were not ever formally taken off of the rolls. Um, we just were stuck, they stopped talking to us. And so um, the, cover, the Congress, it would take a, a, an act of Congress to actually take us off the rolls and they never did, but still they don't mm -hmm. talk to us as nations. Yeah. We've done some other shows on this. If you want to uh, search through back through the archive, um, it is, as you may have heard, this is very complicated. Um, Deborah in Oakland has perhaps a simpler question. She's a gardener and wants to donate what I assume are native plants to the community garden. How can people help with the Segorte Land Trust, you know, multifaceted efforts here? Absolutely. Thank you so much for that. We um, are our land crew that we have are a bunch of young people. They're excited to be putting in different plants, uh, native plants, and love to work with people that donate. And you can uh, write to info at rematriatetheland.org. And that is our, um, the everybody will be able to have access to it. We'll pass it on to the land team and they'll contact you if you want to do that. We have a volunteers at, uh, at rematriatetheland.org if you would like to volunteer. I think on our website, there's a list of things that we would love for people to donate besides Shumi um, in different ways to engage. And so because of COVID, we haven't been able to have very many uh, large groups out to the land because we want to keep people safe. We're hoping that um, if over the next few months we're able to stay uh, you know, pretty safe from COVID, that we'll be able to bring more people out. But we're always looking for volunteers, individuals, or a few at a time to come out and help us um, with all of these different places that we're now caretaking. Yeah. Uh, listener David just wants to note that Eureka, California, did give the tribal site, or at least most of it, of Tulawat Island back to the Weot people. Uh, we're aware of that, and um, it's you can take a look at that story, which is also uh, quite interesting out there. Um, Want to bring in uh, another caller, Brittany in San Francisco. Hi. Um, again, my name is Brittany. Um, I have a question about... Um, 
how non-Indigenous people can help, um, I guess, with the sustainability of, like, rematriation. And once land is actually given back, um, how can we, like, best follow the lead of Indigenous people? Yeah. Yeah, thank Karina. you so much, yeah. Brittany. Yeah, thank you, Brittany. Uh, you know, I think that one of the ways that we ask people to participate is to pay Shumi. And Shumi is a, um, is a gift. It's a nonprofit um, uh, gift to a nonprofit organization. So it's tax deductible. It, is, uh, it helps us to pay for our staffing and all the work that we're trying to do. But it's also a way of engaging when people don't know how to engage. How do we do this? We want to do this work together and we, we're not able to get away uh, from work or whatever to participate in different ways. And Shumi really helps to do that. And we called it a tax, although we didn't ever wanted to use that word, but people understand. Um, at the gut level, what a tax is. And so um, is really able to try to figure out how do we work, uh, people that work, play, and live in our lands, um, how do we participate now in trying to ensure this? Um, pieces of land that's given back, and once it's given back, how can people participate? And I think that's um, what I told the uh, previous caller is to, if you uh, want to volunteer, that there's ways to volunteer, um, and we can always use extra hands either um, through uh, uh, doing that or other skills that you might have to bring to the land trust that you might want to. So we encourage people to uh, look at the website. It's changing all the time. Our website is not something that is uh, that's stagnant. We have great people that are working on website. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook and um, look at different ways that you can plug in. Uh, one of our listeners, Kay, writes in to say, I've been given Shumi for the past year or so. I've also been lobbying the San Francisco-based company I work for to get them to give Shumi. It's a small gesture, but I'm proud to be able to contribute to the repatriation of, uh, of stolen lands. I want to talk about the other set of things, like the sort of big things that could be done. Um, this reparations conversation that we've kind of been circling around, obviously five acres is not commensurate to the damage that was done to Native people here. So how do you see this as sort of a, a building block or a stepping stone? Like, what's the way that you think in your mind to get from here to sort of justice for Native people? That's a big question, Alexi. <laughs> well, we've got four uh, minutes, so I'm pretty sure, you know. <laughs> Thank you. All right, let's figure out the world in four minutes. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I think that it's it's a beginning, right? We have to start somewhere. And that to have cities come to us and ask, how can they do this? And really cities are made up of individuals, right? Those that are on city council that want to do this work that are beginning to um, interrogate the history of where we are. I think that that's an important thing to do. I think that, you know, making relationships and building on those relationships and understanding how it is important for all of us to live with dignity. How do we get our ancestors back out of these institutions and back into the ground? How are we able to tell our story? In the last 20, it's been the 20 years or so of work that Janella and I did and other people, allies and accomplices that worked with us that actually even talked, even uh, acknowledged that Ohlone people still exist in the Bay Area, that we are able to talk about this today about land bought. It was because of that organizing in the early years um, that allowed us to do this work that we're doing today. And so I don't know. For me, it's been about bringing back this uh, knowledge 
their sacred sites, but also bringing these ancestors home mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. figuring out a way for us uh, to have a place that is a village site for our people again. Our people are, can't afford to live in their own territory anymore. And so to bring them home in a different kind of a way, a place for our elders to grow uh, to, to grow older, our ways for us to incorporate immersion for language, a place for us to do those kinds of things. And, you know, as a difficult it is for everybody in the Bay Area um, to live here, it is more difficult for Ohlone people to live here mm -hmm. and people that are um, from the Lashon tribe. And so I'm trying to figure that out, but that takes all of us to figure it out. Mm -hmm. It's not just my word. It's about everybody trying to figure out what does this look like to really be uh, rematriated land and how does that really help the tribe in the day-to-day -day, uh, living like everybody else. You know, we've been talking about these practices and practical aspects, but has this been spiritually kind of healing for you or your children or your grandchildren? Yeah, you know, the, that's the beautiful thing is that pe that first piece of land that we got on 105th Avenue, we were able to put our first arbor up in 250 years, a place where we can have ceremony without having to ask anybody permission, a place for us to be really grounded in uh, who we are as human beings again, that has really grounded. Even though I grew up here in Oakland and my children were raised here in Oakland and some of my grandchildren are here, um, all of my grandchildren are in the in our territories. It's uh, It's been a different kind of freedom for my grandchildren that even my children weren't able to see, mm -hmm. that my, my grandchildren know that that's their, their home place, that they ask for their birthdays to be there at that place mm -hmm. that we're able to have that healing we're able to do language there it's a different way of being in our land that we haven't had in a few hundred years and so yes it's been healing and it mm -hmm. continues to be that way and so uh, yeah. i'm thankful to be born in my in this lifetime on this indigenous people's day we've been talking about land back here in the bay area and elsewhere Director of the Segorite Land Trust and Tribal Chair of the Confederated Villages of Lishan. Earlier, we spoke with Mayor Libby Shaft of Oakland. Libby Shaft of Oakland. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another hour of Form Ahead with Mina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Hi, I'm Tyler Foggett 
Join me and my colleagues as we go beyond the headlines and deepen your understanding of the forces shaping our world today on The Political Scene, a newly updated podcast from The New Yorker. With episodes three times each week, The Political Scene accesses the sharpest minds in politics for insight and analysis about everything from abortion rights to the war in Ukraine. Make sure you're following The Political Scene, available now wherever you get your podcasts.